Good morning. Welcome to I Don't Know What I Want to Do. I'm Sanjay Parker, and I interview people with real jobs in order to inform you, the listener, what kind of real jobs there are. Today, we're speaking to Asaf Weiss. Asaf uh, is president for 42 Communities, a purpose-driven urban developer. He's also been the vice president of strategy and managing director for Artscape, the national director for the Nexus Global Summit, co-founder of Purpose Capital, and he has taught entrepreneurship at York's prestigious Schulich School of Business and University of Toronto. Hi, Asaf. Hey, Sanjay. Good to be thanks, here. Thanks so much for coming on. How's your day going so far? Uh, it's going great. It's a rainy day, but uh, but I, I like those ones. So Yeah, it's a rainy day here too. Perfect for recording a podcast. Exactly. Well, look, there's a lot to break down with you. Let's just start with what does 42 community, what does 42 communities do? What is a purpose driven urban developer do? Uh, so we build uh, buildings and neighborhoods um, and uh, and communities. So we are a, a, a real estate developer, but we're driven by uh, by principle. Um, and you know, fundamentally, we think that um, that spaces and places are um, have the potential to be uh, you know stages for connecting people to their neighbors, to, um, to strangers who are not their neighbors, uh, to reconnecting people to the arts, to connecting people to nature. And that, um, often, uh, that doesn't actually get, um, that, that doesn't actually get designed into the way that we build buildings and build spaces, both in, in cities and outside of cities. And so we're trying to bake that into the design of our, of our sites, uh, from day one. Wow. That's really cool. What we want to focus on in this conversation is both, um, understanding what you're doing because it's very interesting, but also there's a huge interest in understanding how people start up businesses and are entrepreneurs. And you've done that several times now, but your work with 42 communities is fairly recent. That's right. Right. I'm a month in. Yeah. Okay. So a month into this business, can you give us a bit of a sense of what's a regular day look like for you right now? Uh, well, the, there, there are no regular days. Um, uh, every day is a little bit different. And, you know, in, in the early days of, of starting a business, um, it's really hard to, it's both really important and really hard to prioritize because you've got to think about, um, you know, building out your product. So I, I'm investing a lot of time in thinking about, you know, what is our, um, what is our real estate strategy? How do we get capital in the door for that? How do we actually pull that off? Well, um, but then you also have to think about, you know, actually building the house as you live in it. So, uh, we need, uh, properly branded email addresses and, and a defined brand and all of that stuff, some of which is really exciting and some of which is really like administrative or janitorial. Um, but, uh, but it's gotta happen. So my days usually are a mix between the two of those and every business that I've started, um, over my lifetime, the, the first, the first couple of months end up looking like that, which is just, a, um, a high paced, 
scramble <laughs> until uh, until you get the foundation laid down and then you really need to focus on what you as an individual can do that is the highest value and find partners and hires and, and whoever else to do uh, the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And just so we have a sense, how many people are currently working on this project with you? Uh, well, we, we've got a crew of three. Um, in, in our line of work, real estate companies tend not to become huge businesses in terms of headcount. Um, so we are likely to stay small, but do larger projects. Um, and, uh, and there's a real kind of joy in that of being part of teams that grow really quickly and it's very exciting, um, and of being part of larger organizations and, uh, and there's a lot of value to having someone who specializes specifically in, uh, you know, graphic design so that you can always call on that person or someone who specializes in some other part of the business. But I really like the agility and the, almost like the intimacy of, of being able to have a conversation around one table with, uh, with everyone in the company. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already mentioned that you have a history in, in startups and in investing. Uh, you also have a bit of a history in development with your work in Artscape. So I'm curious, when you started this, what's one of the biggest uh, unknowns? What's one of the biggest fears you have going into a, this kind of new venture? There are a number of things that, um, that, you know, I, I am concerned about. I mean, one is, um, there's a reason that not everyone in the real estate sector does community oriented stuff. And it's because the financial incentives line up often the other way. Um, and we're, we're starting this business on the, uh, belief that, um, we can actually carve a path that, uh, that is at the intersection of the two, but it's possible that we may find that there are trade-offs that, um, that are really difficult to avoid so that we have to choose, uh, you know, something in the interest of return, um, uh, to the detriment of, uh, something at the community level. I'm, I'm confident that we'll be creative enough to resolve, uh, 99% of those, but, um, but we have to know that we're going into a field where the incentives are, are tilted one way um, uh, as a baseline. And so we have to, to uh, innovate uh, on, on that. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So, you know, if you're coming to a crossroads and it's kind of a decision of, uh, you know, maybe sacrificing some of your principles or morals or ethics for a, a greater bottom line or, or going down a riskier path um, to make sure you're staying by your vision. What, how are you making that decision? Are you trying to be logical? Are you trying to be um, uh, trying to trust your gut? And if your team is so small, it's only three people, do you guys have some sort of, you know, devil's advocate agreement or is it, is it just like a pure discussion between the three of you? Yeah. I mean, I think we can we can avoid most of the trade-offs by starting with uh, with putting our principles out on the table, and and we did that. So if you want to talk about what the early days looked like, you know the the first few days were actually thinking about uh, the principles that we want to um, adhere to, and in that conversation we end up talking about things that we would love to do and things that we don't want to be a part of and don't want to do. So that um, that would help us. Um, you know, steer for, for the most part, luckily in, in the, 
the world of real estate, it's a, it's a big world. There are lots of different ways to run a business and to focus on things. So, you know, there isn't only one path that we have to uh, navigate through. Um, we, we can be creative. If we're finding that the incentives are not well aligned to building, uh, you know, uh, affordable uh, residential rental, for example, then we can focus on creating a, uh, uh, um, commercial spaces that are, you know, creative maker spaces. So we can, um, we have enough room to be able to, to find the projects that do, um, live up to our, our principles. That's really cool. So when you guys started, you both listed the things that you want to do, but also the things that you don't want to be. That's really cool. Um, I got to ask, uh, and then we'll kind of move on from 42 communities. We want to come back to that later. Uh, why, why is it 42? Oh, um, well, I don't, I don't know if you've read uh, a Hitchhiker's Guide to uh, to the Galaxy. Who hasn't? Uh, well, in, in in that series, uh, not to spoil it for anybody, but um, but it's a pretty big spoiler. The uh, the the forty two ends up being the the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Um, and you know, it started as as a bit of a of a kind of like. A joke between us, but it also just speaks to our DNA that we want to be focusing on stuff that we actually find meaningful, uh, and um, and you know not to waste our time with um, with anything else. So it it in a way almost just keeps us honest, and it uh, it's also kind of the way that we are as as a team. We we like to we like to joke around. We like to have fun. We like to get creative. Um, and, uh, and we like the number 42. <laughs> I gotta say that was not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's take a step back and let's look a little bit into your history. So Saf, you, uh, you studied poli science, uh, when you were younger, uh, and, and from there you've had a really storied history of, of, uh, you know, you know uh, impact investing, um, and, and teaching and, uh, running events and then strategy. And I'm curious, how much did your education, how much did that degree end up helping you, um, in all of your experiences? Um, I think I've been asked once or twice in my entire entrepreneurial career, what I did for university or what my degree was in, uh, it, it hasn't factored um, a huge amount in terms of, uh, you know, a, a, a certificate that I that I wave around to, to people. It, it, it hasn't been the door opener for for me. Um, uh, I think, you know, I, I was really interested in social justice issues when I took political science um, and in a funny way, it actually um, you know, the stuff that we were learning about in class um, was uh, was really important, but the class or the academic uh, take on it was really frustrating to me because it just stopped at the level of analyzing it. Uh, whereas I thought what we were gonna do was to dream up activist projects and, and actually do something about, you know, the situation in Darfur or about climate change or uh, or whatever else. And maybe that was naive of me, but but I found that it was strange to spend all our time talking about what theoretical framework um, 
events fit into without actually doing something about them. And, um, and so I ended up partnering with, um, with a good friend of mine, uh, and we started a little activist shop. Um, and, uh, you know, in a funny way, I ended up spending the time I was supposed to be doing schoolwork, uh, doing activism and, um, and got pushed more in the direction of, of action. Hmm. Okay. Now let's, um, can you, uh, define what, or can you explain to our listeners what impact investing is and why that's different from, you know, normal investing? Sure. Well, impact investing is a field that's, that started in, uh, around 2010, but as with uh, a lot of things, you know, people have been doing versions of it for, you know, uh, for a long, long time. And it's essentially the, the idea that you're, you're investing in something. So you're not giving, it's not, it's not charitable giving that, that is a separate thing. You are investing, meaning you want a return, uh, but you're investing in, in something that you actually, um, uh, believe will positively impact the world in some area and sometimes in multiple areas. So uh, will this help to uh, address some of the impacts of, of climate change? Will this help to shore up local food systems? Will this help with the community's development? Um, that kind of thing. So, okay. it is, Sorry. so it's you trying can. to, to um, uh, invest in a way that actually lives out your um, your values and your principles, um, while also making some kind of, of return so that you can do it sustainably. Because one of the great things about, uh, charitable giving is that there is no financial return required. That's really important. It's also a limitation on the size of capital or in the amount of money that can go, uh, to charitable giving. Um, because it, in because of its its kind of um, uh, because of its design, it'll always be a corner of someone's uh, bank account, not not the entire thing. And so, impact investing came along at a time where people were saying, you know what, the problems that we have are bigger than charity can actually um, lift alone. And so, how do we mobilize? the 95% of people's uh, money and assets that they're not able to mobilize through charity for this work. Impact investing was what you mainly focused on when you were uh, founding and running Purpose Capital. And you did a pretty good job because you ended up selling that company. What was it that made you different from everyone else who is also working in impact investing? Well, so we started the company in 2010. That was the the same year that that um, that the term impact investing was was coined. Um, uh, so in uh, in some respects, we were actually the the first company in Canada uh, offering dedicated impact investing services to to investors. Um, and you know, there was a lot of value in being first um, because there were investors who had been reflecting uh, and wanted to use their position of privilege to try to do something, but there was nobody who was really in the business of helping them in a, in a really thoughtful way. And by being sort of uh, first, we were, uh, we were able to uh, attract those kind of early um, early customers. The, the, uh, crazy and kind of fun thing about doing that though, is, 
uh, you know, when, when you go out to hire a moving company, you know roughly how what moving companies do, what success looks like, and how much you know you pay them on average. Um, in 2010, when you went out to hire an impact investing company, uh, you didn't know how we helped, um, or what success looked like, or how much you're supposed to pay us. And frankly, neither did we. So we were figuring it out with our customers, which uh, was actually a, a really kind of uh, beautiful relationship uh, to, uh, to be in. Feels like you need a lot of trust um, both ways for that to happen, right? Um, I feel like another way to, uh, another maybe a synonym for impact investing is social entrepreneurship, which is maybe a more common phrase. And with social entrepreneurship, we often talk about uh, the triple lot of uh, the triple bottom line businesses. Can you explain what a triple bottom line business is? And can you? Uh, and you're also on record with saying. Um, that money like gravity doesn't have a conscience and how that kind of relates to what you're also talking about. Sure. Well, um, triple bottom line just, just refers to the idea that you're, you're, um, at the end of the day, what you're holding yourself accountable to isn't just the financial position of the company or the thing that you're running. Um, there are other, uh, bottom lines, uh, to think about as well. Um, how is it impacting, uh, society and how is it impacting the, um, the environment? Particularly when people say triple bottom line, you'll also hear them say things like people, planet and profit, right? Those are the North stars that they have for, for their, um, for their companies. So that's, that's really important. Um, and it's, it's important because of, I guess the, the quote that you, you brought up, um, which is the, I think the, the realization that, um, uh, money is a, uh, is an abstract tool that humans have created in order to be in relationship with each other beyond just family members and people in the tribe. Right. So, uh, money is this medium that we use as a society to, to do all kinds of things. Money in and of itself does not uh, love the world or the world. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's just a, a medium or a tool. The intention we put behind it is the thing that matters. Um, and so the way that you use your, uh, your money, the way that you spend it, the way that you invest it, um, where you consume from, uh, that is, the the um, origin of uh, of good or bad impact in in um, uh, in the world. Okay, so in all your time investing, uh, I'm curious, and this could be both for um, this could be both something that you invested in with purpose, or could you be something you invested in for yourself? What has been your most worthwhile investment? Um, I would say probably the, the most important investment I've, I've made is in the uh, relationships of, of, uh, of people that I have worked with and um, whose work I, I admire. The real currency isn't money. The real currency is, is trust. Um, uh, and so, you know, building a uh, quote unquote kind of bank account of trust, uh, a big bank account of trust is, um, is really important. Um, 
it also gives meaning to work like you know to, to be able to to be um doing something that you believe in is important but to do it as a team trying to chase down something i think is is really gratifying because you know if you strip away um if you strip away the marketing and the 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 kind of the differences that we think about most work has to do with talking to somebody it's emailing it's interviewing it's it's going to meetings um uh it's negotiating all of that stuff is just conversations you're having with people uh at least many forms of work obviously not all of them um and so so relationships will come to define your experience in the working world more than more than the topic that you're actually or the industry that you're working in it's who you work with that will make it enjoyable or not you can join a company whose purpose you believe in and lights a fire inside of you and you get there and nobody's nice and and you're just having a kind of a uh, a crappy experience or, or no one really believes in it. And, and it really sort of takes, takes that motivation out of you. Um, alternatively, you can join a company that does the most kind of mundane thing. Like, you know, we, uh, we inject the, the ink into pens, but everyone there loves it and they have a great culture and they joke around. Um, and, uh, and you end up loving that company and having a great experience there. So I would, you know, Tell people to um, to think uh, not just about what industry you want to be in, but who around you do you actually want to learn from, um, and uh, and what types of of uh, team cultures do you actually want to join, and which ones do you want to stay away from, and that will make a big big difference in in your experience of the working world. Hmm. I really like that quote you said earlier. Um, the real currency isn't money. The real currency is trust. That's iconic as off. Um, okay, let's change it up a little bit. Uh, we're going to do something I like to call the regular routine wheel. So I'm just going to spin this reel real quick. And it's landed on morning routine. So do you have any routines that you, you have regularly in the morning that, uh, you know, you use to kind of regulate yourself? You know, I've thought about this a lot. I have a little bit of a morning routine. I think um, it it involves uh, trying to wake my wake myself up physically. So, whatever you know, showering, splashing cold water on my face, um, grabbing a coffee. Um, we we just got a a puppy, so these days I'm I'm walking the the dog, and and um, and that's. Uh, that's a lot of fun. It also, you know, forces you awake, <laughs> uh, cause they have, uh, they start the day with a different energy level. Um, and then getting into my workspace, uh, and organizing my thoughts. So what am I going to tackle today? What are important, uh, priorities? Um, so I, I find all of that helpful. The, the one thing I found particularly helpful over the last little while is putting on some kind of like ambient, uh, like music, uh, while I work, like either, you know, like something with, with beats and, and rhythm or, or classical music or whatever the hell I feel like that day. Um, but something that signifies work time. Um, and, uh, and I find that, uh, that that really helps. 
That's really cool. Um, okay, so we're, we're closing in uh, on the end of this segment. So we're going to switch to a, a part I like to call overrated versus underrated. So I'm just going to, it's a quick fire segment. I'm just going to throw some terms at you and you tell me if you think that they're generally overrated or underrated. Okay. Great. Is there, okay, is there a category for rated? No, they're like no one has ever properly rated an item. But if you think something's properly rated, you go ahead. Okay, all right. Um, If you could throw a sentence uh, just explaining why, that'd be great too. Okay, sure. Um, So the first one is publicly funded art. Uh, Way way underrated. Um, Art is the the. portal into people's uh, hearts and happiness and sense of connectedness and sense of belonging in society and healthy societies invest in art. Uh, Next one is Airbnb. I would say underrated. Um, I, I, I think that you know, Airbnb has had has had some some uh, bad impacts on on uh, urban rental prices. That's not good. But the notion that uh, someone can uh, use their space to welcome others into it to make a little bit of uh, side income in a world that uh, has had uh, stagnated wages uh, for for uh, for a long time, that you can actually utilize some of your space to. Uh, to give to give other people uh, uh, an opportunity to travel and discover new cultures, like I, I think that that's a that's a wonderful thing. Um, maybe the way that the company does it today isn't the only way that it could or should be done, and you know would invite others to dream up better versions of it. But the underlying concept is uh, is a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about overrated or underrated Shaq Shuka? <laughs> Chachuca is, uh, is underrated. It is, it's like, if you only have five bucks and you need to make a great, uh, a, a great brunch for, uh, for everybody, it's one of the, one of the best ways to do that. Um, uh, so I would definitely encourage people to, uh, to explore their, the Chachuca world. Okay. The next one was sent in actually by one of our listeners. Uh, Asaf, is it overrated or underrated? Permission. Permission is underrated. Um, and I think that there's many different ways that I could take that question. I know that um, the, the topic of, of consent has been uh, really, really an, an important one. Um, uh, but I, I also mean permission in the sense of um working with communities, uh, uh, for their betterment, not just, uh, working for communities or, or giving, uh, communities, um, uh, sort of things that would improve their lives. I think it's actually really important. Uh, um, and, uh, true partnership is, is a form of permission. Mm -hmm. And last one for you, uh, psychedelics. Psychedelics are uh, underrated in their their likely value to society, um, but I, but I feel like they're getting less underrated. Like we're starting to figure out that um, uh, that there are Im- important other ways that that um, that we could 
um, help people to live more sort of emotionally wholesome uh, lives. Um, and also, when you compare it against um, what the the status quo is, which is like synthetic pharmaceuticals that someone dreamed up dreamed up in a lab, like uh, and and frankly have a have like a so so effectiveness rate um, as it is. Uh, I, I don't think that the you know the the pharmaceutical industry for mental health has any kind of. Um, uh, moral claim over, over psychedelics. The amazing thing about psychedelics is that while they operate on a, on a chemical level, they also create transformative emotional and social experiences. Um, and if we're able to harness that as a society, like I think societies in the past have done, um, I think it will be part of, uh, weaving together a broader worldview, um, that, uh, that would be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Um, what kind of people should be looking to work in your industry? And that can either be in impact investing in social entrepreneurship or real estate and development. I think it's a wide world. Um, uh, you know, this, um, all of those things that you mentioned, all of those industries that I've been involved in are, are ones that are um, really that um, that are conducive to really broad knowledge um, as opposed to really deep specializations. Um, you have all sorts of specializations within them, but a lot of them have to do with finding a way that the pieces connect in the macro. Um, so, you know, if you want to see the world constructed differently, if you're good at piecing together partnerships and um, and uh, and relationships uh, with people, and um, uh, and if you don't need to operate from a really rigid template, um, then all of those things are are uh, are good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Asaf, uh, last question for you. This is a podcast trying to help people understand uh, jobs and career paths. So what's a job that either you would like to hear about or learn more about, or that you think not enough people know about and uh, you think people should? Um, I'll tell you what I think is underrated. I think um, uh, camp counselors are hugely underrated. Um, the idea that you could be 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever, and, uh, leading a bunch of other young people through, um, through an experience you have to think about their, uh, physical state, emotional state. You have to think about, you know, creating proper social conditions. Like that is the best incubator for leadership, uh, that we have for young people in society. And we hugely, uh, dismiss it or, or underinvest in it. So, uh, more camp counselors and, uh, and frankly give camp counselors, um, more, uh, uh, more say over how things are run. And I think the world will probably be a better place. <laughs> that's such a, that's so cool. Well, Asaf, thanks so much for coming on answering my questions, informing us about what you do. Uh, where can the listeners find you and get in touch? Uh, you can find me on, on LinkedIn, just, uh, at my name, Asaf Weiss. Um, and, uh, and that's probably the, the best place I'm, uh, I'm not up to date on, on the socials. I know they exist, but I'm choosing to, uh, to keep my, my brain, uh, clearer. So, 
uh, LinkedIn is the best place to find me. Great. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes. Uh, otherwise he's off the grid listener. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch, text me at six, four, seven, four hundred three, two, one, two with any comments, ideas, or suggestions. Next week, we're going to talk to someone about something else, but until then, thank you and get home safe. Thank you.